0: Hello. You are listening to Poldark Podcast, a fan-created podcast about the Podark saga, and we are your hosts. My name is Rita. I live in England. I Tumblr at Princess of Poldark and I tweet at Rita Bites.
1: And I'm Michelle. I live in the States. I Tumblr at Poldark Muses and tweet at Musings.
0: Now, Delonda won't be joining us this week, but our third musketeer is with us in spirit in this very special podcast.
1: We are celebrating our first anniversary on the Poldark podcast. Woohoo! Happy
2: birthday to you. Happy birthday to you.
1: (laughs) Can you believe it's been a year? Um, I feel like it's been a decade, but in the past year, we've covered uh, both season two and season three as they aired, as well as two books and a season one rewatch. It's been kind of crazy, but thank you to everyone who supports us and listens to us ramble and rant every week. Uh, It's been a really fantastic experience, and we never dreamed we would be here one year ago. So thank you so much. Uh, to celebrate we are going to do a free-for-all round of q a's uh, you guys have been sending in your questions all week and we sit poised to answer them to the best of our ability so let's do this thing shall we rita
0: so our first question was from prairie Head. do you have any favorite non-poldark work by anyone in the poldark cast and if so what are they and who was in them similar question was also asked by a poldark costuming project uh what was your favorite previous role for the Nun Aiden product cast? Hers is Hand Down Jack Farthing playing the hilarious idiot Freddie Thripwood. If you want to laugh your head off, Blandings is a must.
1: Oh, I've seen I've seen Blandings. That's pretty hilarious. Um but uh, uh favorite work by our principal cast members include Being Human for Aiden. Um I can't tell you how many times I've watched it. Um, Alley Cats for Eleanor and Josh Whitehouse. Uh, while we're at it, uh, that was really, really a fun movie to watch. Also, she was a Maze Balls in The White Queen. Um, I saw Haida in an episode of Silent Witness, which is one of my favorite shows out of the UK. Uh, the show was called Commodity, and I really liked her performance. I just recently saw Kyle, Kyle Soler's performance in a two-part episode of Silent Witness called Life License. And he was positively riveting. Uh, he plays this um serial killer.
0: What
1: um and yeah, and he's he's just fantastic. Um also uh, I've been watching Prime Suspect, B.D. Edney, uh did an amazing performance in the episode The Lost Child. Uh it was I, I was in tears by the end of the episode and uh phil davis uh is an all-around favorite for me um i've loved him in all of the shows that i've seen from doctor who to sherlock to Whitehall. uh the list just goes on uh, i'm actively crawling through imdb to find more for the other uh cast members
0: uh i'm a huge fan of eleanor's performance in death comes to pemberley and the white queen also i mean the white queen is all about ellen tomlin's and if you ask me um <laughs> And I really suspect her next film, um, which should come out next year, um, about Colette, starring Kieran Knightley as Colette, I think it's going to just be amazing. It happens to be about one of my favorite writers and public figures. So I think it's about to become my new favorite Eleanor Tomlinson movie. I also loved Ruby Bentall in Lark Rise to Candleford* and The Paradise. She is amazing. She's like a period drama queen. Oh, my God.
1: I loved her in lark rise to Campbellford. and um oh 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 the uh the guy that plays blamey that was the first place i ever or first time i ever saw him uh and his name just flew out of my head which is a damn shame because i love him and uh hinterland uh is the show that he is on now and it's fantastic
0: Is that the one where he's in wales it's like super welsh mm-hmm Kyle Sola had a really funny role in Bad Education, that show where Jack Whitehall is a teacher. Um, he's really funny in that. And it was around the same time uh, Poldark came out. So I was just like, what the fuck? You're American? Mm. <laughs> um, and <laughs> you, me, and the apocalypse.
1: Yeah, that's where I, I learned that he was American. I mean, I was totally shocked. Totally
0: shocked. A complete mind fuck. <laughs> So I'm only, like, two episodes into Riviera, but it's fair to say Phil Davis is still killing it, and I miss him. Oh, I
1: need to watch that.
0: Also, if you can find it, I would listen to this BBC Radio 4 play of George Bernard Shaw's classic play, Major Barbara, which had, of course, Eleanor and Jack in, like, really major roles. It is Hmm. worlds away from Poldark. But they both give really fantastic performances. They may or may not be romantically linked in that version.
1: Oh, really? Oh my god! It's
0: really bizarre. Well,
1: I am hashtag <laughs> I am hashtag scribbling madly, and I uh, hope you guys are too, because uh, these are these are great ways, I think, for us to fill that whole dark size hole in our television viewing lives right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, made, uh Lady Mad Chan. I uh, sent in this question. If the later books are adapted, do you girls have any preferences? Uh, would you like the series to continue with the same cast or recast with older actors? Do you have any casting picks for some of the main characters in the later books, such as Jeremy, Valentine, or Cloence? Um, I would want the roles to be recast. Uh, I know that that will probably have people calling for my head, but you know, at the time we see them in Stranger from the Sea, Ross is almost 50. Demelza is almost 40. And by the time we get through uh, the end of Bella Poldark, you know, I think that they are respectively in, like, in their like, mid-60s and mid-50s, respectively.
0: Something like yeah, that. Yeah, almost 70, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I love Aiden and Eleanor to death, but I just don't think they could carry it off. Uh, as for casting the kids, uh, now adults... Uh, I have no idea. You know, Rita, you are young, you are <laughs> vibrant, you are more hip and aware of the young, stylish actors out there. Uh, what do you think?
0: Okay, well, that's a complete lie, but let's just go with it. Um, <laughs> I would, like, firstly, I would fight anyone who thinks the show needs to go past the angry tide. Just want to put that up there. I will humor you. I think if it were to happen that they should absolutely recast because they would never do that because of the success they've had with Eleanor and Aiden. They would probably do that horrible thing they did on Outlander where they just, like, give people grey hair and... It would feel ridiculous and silly to pretend that they can play middle-aged when Eleanor especially is barely 25. (laughs) She ain't pulling off 50. I think, morally too, I would take great issue with a younger woman being cast when there are so many wonderful older actresses not getting leading roles because of the stupid patriarchal entertainment industry's issues with using older ladies preach preach now as for people to play jeremy and Clarence, uh i always pictured augustus prue who i watched in the village and looks remarkably like aiden i think with curly hair um But at 29, he's just way too old for it now. Um, All the people I think of are, like, in their mid-20s. So they should probably just hire some fresh, new, out-of-drama school kid that looks, like, really young. Like, really young. They can't be casting 30-year-olds as teenagers. I will throw a fit.
1: (laughs) That's just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Uh, But thank you so much for the question. Um, Let's see. Our next question was from Artsyat. Um, Empowered Demelza sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Can you three come up with ways to make her more likable, loving, and season one-ish while still being strong? Love to hear your ideas. Attorney MSB3 had similar thoughts about Empowered Demelza. I listened to the commentary on the British version of the season three DVD set. The producers and actors made many favorable comments about Empowered show Demelza. I disagree and think that the producers and writers may be suffering from groupthink and confirmation bias. I think the remaining series would benefit from critical analysis of characterizations and storylines, most importantly, Demelza. As you pointed out, Debbie Horsfield changed Demelza, but did not change Ross, so the characters are not a foil for each other and seem out of sync. What are your thoughts on this?
0: I mean, firstly, I'm hoping that the the name Empowered Demelza is ironic, because... I really don't think this version of Demelza is possessing any more strength of character than the book's version. I think part of why they've stumbled with her characterization is that they're unwilling to really invest any time or effort into character this season. One of the great techniques Winston Graham used in his novels was the first-person perspective of each character. Like, there is a vast cast of characters in this book's And it can be really tricky to keep track of each person and their feelings. Now, this show obviously can't show you what a character is thinking or feeling. But what it used to do was linger on emotional beats longer or show you perspective shots of what somebody like Demelza was feeling. A great example of this from season one would be in episode three, after her father has come to bring her back home and she is lingering in Ross's library. And she's, like, touching all of the things on his desk as the sun's setting and she's saying goodbye. It's just a small moment, but it instantly grounded you in her perspective. Now, the show's made a huge effort to get inside of Ross's mind this season, in not particularly effective ways, in my opinion. But it kind of neglected to do the same with Demelza. She literally has no internal life. Instead, it used a far lazier form of storytelling, telling instead of showing. Demelza is constantly pushing buttons and discussing her anger at situations when I think it would have served her character a bit to make it more implicit in the situation. It's really not in her nature to push Ross as hard as she did this season, and it felt downright cruel at moments. And that's just at complete odds with what Demelza should be.
1: Preach it. I completely agree with you, my dear. Um, it's almost as if they've forgotten some of the techniques they used in season one in an effort to make more things more flashbang and exciting. Um, you know, and uh, the other thing I know that has been brought up before and I also strongly agree, mit- agree with is the concept that in order to make the Melza more attractive to the modern audience, they had to make her more spiky, more opinionated. And, you know, I'm totally on board with that. But the way it came across was more like uh, and I really really hate to say this um because you know it is so often that when strong women are opinionated uh they are called bitchy or something along those lines um when if a man was as opinionated, they wouldn't get that type of negative language, but it it really felt more naggy, yep, I mean it felt like she was just Pokey, pokey, naggy, naggy. Um, you know, there's this there's this quiet strength to Demelza's character. You know, and it's built on her innate intelligence, her earthiness, you know, her compassion, and her desire to share the happiness that she has uh with others. And you know, that's specifically what she wanted to share with Hugh to give him a little bit of her happiness, not just sex to experience it, but to give him a little bit of her happiness. Um, You know, 18th century Demelza does not have to be 20th century woman in order to be empowered, if that makes any sense.
0: That does. And I'm really, I'm tired of seeing narratives where women are forced to be, like, assertive and masculine, almost, to be perceived as strong and feisty or whatever. There is strength in Demelza and her quietness and the fact that... She's very nurturing and loving. Those are strengths. Like the world is incredibly cruel, and she persists on being hopeful and loving and seeing the best in people. That's a strength. And I don't think that people celebrate that enough in uh, narratives today.
1: Totally agree. Yeah. And what a great opportunity to be able to demonstrate that. Oh, yeah. On television with this character. And it's like an opportunity that was lost.
0: A moment of silence for her, her character. i just like... I'm so <laughs> we could have had it all. Anyway. <laughs> Anonymous said, it, in the show, when do you think Ross became aware that Hugh was in, infatuated with Demelza? When do you think Ross became disturbed with Hugh's infatuation with Demelza? And when do you think Ross figured out that Demelza was interested in Hugh? Wasn't it different in the books? Didn't Ross only get a clue after the fling? when Hugh was very ill?
1: Um, As far as the show goes, um, I think he became aware of it when Hugh shows up at Nampara with the magnolia bush. I mean, that was just the most ridiculous. Oh, hi, I happened to come by and give your wife a bush to (laughs) thank her for being the wife of the man who saved my life. Yes, that's why I'm here. I mean, that was, you know, it's just stupid. Um, I think he became disturbed by it When he heard Demelza singing to Hugh in episode 307. Was it 307 or was it 306? One of those. Um, And he noticed her interest in Hugh at the same moment, I think. Uh, It was confirmed with their face off conversation later that night. And I say face off uh, very specifically uh, because I think things happened at similar points in the book, although there was no singing involved in Four Swans. And honestly, that addition was utterly ridiculous. And uh, as much as I love Eleanor's voice and her singing, um, really? Hugh's going to stop his pursuit of her after she sings him a very sweet, please
0: stop song (laughs) just for him? The lyrics are way too on the nose. (laughs) It was just ridiculous. (laughs) I
1: mean, honestly, it's like, oh, no, please don't do this. Blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, Please don't. Anyway, um, as I was saying, I think things happened at similar points within the book, but the tone between the two versions, uh, book versus show, are on opposite sides of the spectrum. Uh, you know, in the in the book, yes, I said it again, um, Ross and Demelza are reconciled. Their relationship is very strong and Ross actually talks with her about the feelings that she's having, and it's a very um, gentle, understanding, calm, loving conversation about the confusion that she is feeling uh, for this man. You know, Ross, you know, says, does he stir you? And, And she says yes. And as they continue the conversation, you know, when he says, you know, this is the first time I've ever seen you look at a man at another man like you used to look at me or you look at me and in the book she bursts into tears and they embrace um because she is upset by the fact that that she is starting to feel this um on the show they're sitting on opposite sides of the the fire you know they're on two different settles there's no intimacy between them and it just feels very, you know, Ross, you're just going to have to be patient with me. You know, <laughs> you, know, you know, like I was with you, you know, that type of thing. So the the tone was completely different. Um, and as far as when Ross gets a clue of what may have happened on the beach, it is when they go to visit Hugh when he's very ill. He sees the emotional reaction that Demelza has when... She sees how changed Hugh is. And then uh, later that same day, he discovers the poem that Hugh has written to her uh, as it falls out of the pocket of her dress. And the, the context of the poem uh, leads him to believe that
0: they fucked.
1: Yeah, if not just an emotional infidelity has taken place, that there has been a physical infidelity as well. That's my answer long-winded as usual. Sorry. <laughs> it was
0: thorough. Uh, <laughs> I think just, like, uh, as for the show, the fact that it took that long for Ross's alarm bells to start ringing felt like deeply out of character. Or maybe not, because you know, show Ross is a completely different beast, but it felt like he had to be a complete moron to miss how much Hugh was meaning over her. And Ross isn't supposed to be an idiot, or at least that kind of an idiot.
1: Well, not that kind of idiot. <laughs> yeah not that kind of idiot you know he he is he is perceptive and uh the way that he was characterized in the show made it seem like he was yeah, completely oblivious until he was beaten over the head by it
0: singing <laughs> <saying> this song
1: <gasps>
0: not the most subtle moment
1: i can't listen to that song and then it winds up getting stuck in my head and it makes me want to like stick a knitting needle in my ear
0: it's a really catchy song unfortunately (laughs) for you
1: (laughs) it is it is thank you ann dudley you know how to write them (laughs) (laughs) um our next question uh from anonymous uh you know i thought i was disappointed with series two but it was so good really uh episodes four five six and nine were fantastic my favorite was uh 209 uh the acting the heartbreak the red dress the singing it had it all Um, I liked series three, but it's phased over for me. Uh, Three and four were her favorites uh, or his favorites out of the series three. But something was missing, Uh, you know, a different director, perhaps, um, you know, cutting out all the little nuances, uh, the way that it should have been acted, you know, like when Demel's is on the beach, you know, who knows if if Debbie wanted her to say, you know, what she said about George's um, becoming MP. Uh, a little more softer and it just came out wrong. I, who knows? So that's, it's kind of a question. Uh, it's more kind of a statement. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, we'll 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 give it a whirl. So uh, Rita, what do you think?
0: I think like as much as we should on the more aggressive version of Demelza we see on the show, and I do talk, t- I did it about five minutes ago, I have to say um, Demelza's level of visceral anger is really breathtaking to watch, in especially the red dress scene. Eleanor did such a great job in season two. The red dress scene had me cheering her on, and you know, it's confusing. There are aspects of this performance that I do enjoy. Yeah, uh,
1: and I agree. I, I'm totally. I was totally on board with uh, the rage and anger that she had um, at Ross. You know, after he uh, sleeps with Elizabeth. Uh, The sole exception, of course, being when she punched him, uh, because I loathe the double standards that come with that level of physical violence between people, Um, you know, but her rage and her anger was real. It was honest. Uh, It left no room for miscommunication. You know, she had a total right to be pissed as hell at her husband Um, and Ever since, it's been this lingering, sneering, passive-aggressive, ind- indirect crap that has bothered the hell out of me. And we've seen a shit ton of that in Series 3.
0: Oh, so much.
1: Yeah, and I, I honestly, I can't stand passive-aggressiveness. It's something that makes me infuriated whenever I am dealing with Uh, in you know in in attempting to communicate with someone who who that is their their game plan Um, you know to the point where you know I wind up saying look what's the deal and uh, (laughs) you know it it, I I, I can't deal with it and so it's been very very frustrating
0: to be fair her passive aggressive game is so strong that there is no ambiguity she just sounds pissed <laughs> it's like, yeah less passive of more just being snide yeah, she's
1: a master at it she's a master at it but it is the least likely way of being able to honestly communicate when you are flinging this energy out um you know at the person that you want to communicate with you know i mean the, the perfect example of this was when she, you know, has learned about Ross's meeting with Elizabeth at the church and she goes to confront him, you know, while he's, you know, out doing the militia thing. And she basically doesn't just come out and say, what's the deal with you kissing Elizabeth in the church? I mean, that's the way that you would say, this is what I want to talk about. Instead of, stomping up there crossing your arms and saying aunt agatha's headstone <laughs> <laughs> i mean what's the deal i mean it's like okay you want to discuss this now you know is his is his response because it's kind of like what is the deal
0: to be fair that was like the sixth time she'd mentioned it in the past three episodes it was like ah! Ross, you know what she's talking about. Why are you confused? <laughs> well,
1: it's you know it. It, it just—it's just ridiculous. It, it just, just say it.
2: Just say it. You
0: kissed Elizabeth. Do you slut. <gasps> that would have been a better scene. Yeah, do it. Yeah, just say it. Uh, next question, anonymous. Just observing. Have you noticed how much Jeremy looks like Valentine? <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> he now has. Lovely, long, curly hair. Little Jeremy's hair was dead straight and, like, light brown.
1: <laughs> Don't get me started on the casting for Ross and Demel's children. Because it is clear there are plenty of children with dark, curly hair available <laughs> to cast in this show. You know, honestly, the the whole Valentine's parentage thing has been just nauseating for me to watch. And done clearly to heighten the sense of drama across the entire season, uh the next character or the next question is from anonymous uh Hi guys, great podcast. Thank you. um I was wondering which character is your favorite and who you identify with the most on the show.
0: I think I'm gonna be kind of a gross, unholy mix between Francis and Emma, <laughs> which is like hard to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really relate to most of Frances' insecurities and neuroses, but with, like, an amateur girl's fun-loving worldview, <laughs> like a general inability to settle down. Like, that's me. Um, I really long to be more like Demelza because she's really generous and nurturing. She's very much goals for me. <laughs> um, I think, for me... um.
1: I uh, identify quite a bit with Ross, um, you know, not because, you know, he, he he is non-communicative and, you know, kind of an idiot at
0: times. The bad things.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think the things I, I understand what it's like to be introspective. Um, and that is how I envision Ross. He's, he's very, he's, he's very introspective. Um, he is self- deprecating um, he is sarcastic um, <laughs> and um, that those are some of the characteristics that I think I have um, you know not the not the negative ones, but you know i I, I can be very closed in and um, difficult to read at times so and I think that that Ross is that quite a bit.
0: Have you ever been obsessed with Elizabeth Poldog for a decade plus like that's that's the defining <laughs> worst
2: characteristic uh
0: no,
1: but you know I understand no i but I understand the the siren call of one's first love very much um and especially
0: I don't I'm just like, get over that shit, get over
1: it, yeah especially when um you know life's relationships in reality are not going the way that
0: fairy tales and TV and movies tell you that it's supposed to be perfect <laughs> yeah
1: and uh you know i things without getting into too many details you know things have been a bit challenging in that area uh for me and so i understand how easily it is to think back about uh, that first ideal relationship and how lovely it is to kind of dive into that to escape from the realities of of what's going on. So I think that's Ross for me.
0: Now, attorney MSB3, Michelle said Ross wronged Elizabeth and should have gone back to talk to her after their night together. I agreed with Michelle, but now I disagree with her. This was long. Yeah.
1: And this was, she gave uh, four different options for what Ross should be apologizing for. Um, and there, it, it was really long. And you can go back and find it in the reblog if you want to read more about it. Um, I, I think what happened is I, I miscommunicated.
0: <gasps> How um... <laughs> very Ross up with you.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Um, and so I need to make my position clearer. When I said that Ross should have gone back to talk to her after their night together, um, I was not saying that Ross owes Elizabeth an apology for the incident itself. He owes her an apology for telling her he would be in touch after their night together and then failing to do so. That's what he owes her an apology for.
0: Yeah, don't make promises you can't keep, yo. Word
1: to your mother. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i love how we've suddenly gone to like late 80s hip-hop this speak. <laughs> i know <laughs> totally God, appropriate oh well.
1: <laughs> okay uh arts has uh one more question why should any viewer believe in the poldark marriage as seen in the show what makes it special can you cite any examples and convince me having read the books we know it's deep and loving but in the show, I have found it harder and harder to see any reason to believe in their marriage. Uh, your thoughts?
0: Instead of answering your question, I'm going to do kind of an asshole move. <laughs> and move the goalposts a little. Um, like, this version of the Ross and Demelza relationship is less successful in terms of communication and expressions of love. But does that make it any less interesting or engaging for viewers? I can't say, and perhaps that's just a matter of opinion. We all have different priorities, but I would like to propose that just because the marriage is not as functional as in the books, it doesn't make it any less interesting or worthy of our investment. I think watching these two try and make it work will still kind of hook me in during season four.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I mean, I am, you know, someone had asked me um, if... I was, you know, even going to bother watching season 4 because uh season 3 was such a disappointment for me and I was like, "Oh, hell yeah, I'm watching season 4." I want cuz you know, I want to see how these two wind up coming back together again. I, you know, I really really do. Uh not just from uh uh you know, on a, an obsessive fan perspective, you know, I'm I am obsessed with with Poldark, and uh, you know, I, I want I want these two to to get back together and and make a, a really strong union. But I think also as a writer, I am very interested to see how they're going to write this show to get them back together and to see what kinds of um techniques they are going to use in order to to make them wind up being together by the end of the series so
0: for realsies i'm hooked and also i think like we have too many um like just generally if you see a marriage on tv it's either dreadful or like this idealized version and i like to think of ross and demelza as like somewhere in the middle they feel slightly more dysfunctional And it's, like, tragic to watch most of the time. But that's interesting and gripping to me. Like, even if it's not as good as the books, I still care.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that we would be as upset and ragey about (laughs) where the situation is if we didn't care so deeply about these characters. You know, I will always root for Ross and Demelza. To to come through, you know, whatever storms wind up, um, you know, churning up the sea around them. Um, so...
0: Bring on season four.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. But we'll have to. <laughs> oh, God, we'll have to. Okay. Um, <laughs> Anonymous asked, uh, Do you ever think we'll hear Ross say to Demelza that he loves her again? aside from the one time in season one and that he cares deeply for her. He skirts around the issue, hints at it, makes love to her countless times, but never just comes out and says it. I don't know. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. Maybe I should just get used to the fact that he's never going to say it to her and tell anyone else that he loves her. I guess it's just the way Ross is. Um, You know, I know Ed, uh Sparks has been writing a, a number of uh really great uh posts about all of this lately so you know go to you know xxsparksxx uh on Tumblr and just crawl through <laughs> her blog and you'll find all <laughs> you'll find all kinds of really insightful posts about uh this relationship and um you know and why Ross isn't the type of person to, to say these things. Um, you know, and we may hear more expressions of his love and affection for her, you know, once this Hugh situation is resolved, but I think it's going to be a while. Um, it's not in Ross's nature to be verbally expansive when it comes to his emotions. Uh, but when he does, uh, he does so really quite beautifully and there are moments that Demelza um, cherishes and kind of stockpiles um, when when they happen because they are really really lovely. You know, Ross is the type of guy that you know he's gonna wind up shelling out some cash to, to try and 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 buy his way back into her affections. That's that's Ross, you know. But um, you know, he, he is. And we saw lovely moments of, you know, his devotion to her, you know, kissing her hand and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. It It's, it's all lovely. But, you know, it's clear that Demelza needs to hear the fluffy words, the fluffy, fluffy words delivered on a fluffy, fluffy horse. It just needs a horn on its head to be a unicorn. I mean, come on now.
0: (laughs) I think it like shits out rainbows or something.
1: (laughs) It was a very cute horse. You almost made me snort my ginger ale, girl.
0: (laughs) Whoops. Now, for me personally, (laughs) I really don't think it matters. I don't expect long-term relationships to be overflowing with expressions of love and devotion. They've been married for what, like eight years now? And eight or ten years, yeah. Like, fuck. And I really judge <laughs> Ross on his actions. I'd like to be like to see Ross really focus on his family in season four. Like that would be enough for me.
1: Yeah. I mean and and that was the thing that I just loved about, you know, those those moments in series three where, you know, he was telling Demelza, you know, I just want to be a quiet country squire and you know, the the episode where uh Clarence makes her appearance and they're going off to the christening and i mean all of those moments are just making me feel so warm and fuzzy <laughs> because he was he was there with his family and he wasn't there in series two and it was just like oh my god thank you for being oh, thank you for being with your
0: family thank you thank you for, for acknowledging your child, <laughs>
1: yeah and I would love to see more of that in series four. I think that's going to be difficult with him wandering off to London, but we'll see how that goes.
0: You never know. Um, attorney uh, Attorney MSB3 said, I wish Aidan Turner and Eleanor Tomlinson would go back to do PR for the show together. Eleanor and Aidan were charming and funny when they did the radio time preview for season one and two. When they go solo, Eleanor very much stays on message. Her answers are too pat. But when Aiden goes solo, he sometimes misspeaks or goes too far off message. (laughs) He's
1: out of control.
0: He completely forgets what's going on. Most of the commentary in season three is Aiden asking, What's going on?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which sounds really pretty perfect. Yep. What's going
0: on? (laughs) When they appear together, they balance each other. Eleanor gives the information the producers want her to give and Aiden adds the spontaneity. Occasionally they change roles, which is fun to watch. It's also fun to see how they react to each other when they're out of character. Seeing them do an interview together makes you want to watch the show more. Opinions, please.
1: Um, I, I think it was a deliberate decision to have them separated for the media stuff for Series 3. It re-emphasizes the estrangement between the characters and, uh, you know, given where they're at in their relationship now, I don't expect to see them doing much media together for series four either. But, you know, I'm, I will be happy to be (laughs) disabused of that opinion. Um,
0: Yes. Let's all pray that Michelle is wrong. Everybody join together. Yes, please,
1: please. Yeah. Let me be wrong about that because that will... That will be, like, air.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, Attorney Ms. Bigger3. I really missed their interactions on the DVD commentary this season, because there was no furthering of the Aidan Turner, Barley, i.e. Garrick feud that we all enjoy. <laughs> But I thought Harry was a suitable Aiden filler in terms of making funny remarks. Uh, He was really, really hilarious. I laughed so hard. He starts making porno music sounds during... (laughs) Because it's it's for the final... um, When they're in the sand dunes, he's like... Oh, God! Oh, my God! (laughs)
1: Bow-chicka-wow-wow! Oh, my God! I can't... I can't wait to watch... I, my DVD just got here
0: yeah. today,
1: and um, unfortunately, today's like the busiest Sunday that I've had in months, and I'm not going to have a chance to watch it until maybe tonight. So,
0: just guess head straight to that commentary track.
1: I'm yeah. I'm going to head straight to that one because that sounds like it will make that episode at least be more palatable to watch. It'll
0: cheer you right up.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um anyhow anonymous uh said uh she just finished she or he i keep saying she i'm assuming it's a she but i don't want to do that so um i just finished watching the extras on the series three dvd can you believe that on the segment entitled romantic relationships they didn't include caroline and dwight also they had one on demelza and Hugh, but not ross and demelza it was interesting that Aiden turner commented that people don't like watching people Uh, watching a couple bickering all the time no kidding Um, I'm yearning for more happy times between Ross and Demelza in series 4 but I'm not sure we'll get much and like I said um, I haven't had a chance to watch uh, any of the DVDs Um, so Rita what are some of your thoughts about that
0: (laughs) I haven't seen the extras yet sorry Um, I'm trying to like parcel them out over the next few months don't judge me I'm weird
1: it, it's not weird. It's like, you know, you want to you don't want you want to sip at this stuff. Exactly.
0: It needs to take me out a
2: year.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a long ass time before we get any series 3 yumminess. So, yeah, sip, girl. But uh, you know, given the way uh Carolite was reduced to Segway fodder for this series, it doesn't surprise me they weren't included in the romantic relationship section. You mm-hmm. know, cuz last series was all about Drowenna or Wake or whatever their ship name is. Um, And Demelza Hugh and not Ross and Demelza, uh, I am inserting massive side eye here because it would have been a great opportunity to talk about uh, the estrangement between Ross and Demelza and why their, um, their reconciliation is taking as long as it has. Uh, you know, it was a great opportunity for that. But, you know, hey, what ifs. Uh But I must remember to have all my spongy, throwable things at the ready when I finally watch it. Because I'm going to be hurling shit at the television. Hurl, hurl, hurl. Uh,
0: now, to be fair, were there any couples this year? Like, basically, it was just all about Drake and Moenna. I like the name Joanna because it's like they're drowning. They're drowning in their own storyline. <laughs> No one else got a look in, really. Um, the Ross and Demelza relationship did get a feature in the season two DVD, as did Ross and Elizabeth. <laughs> the feature nobody needed.
1: Oh God. <laughs> so, but again, it would have been a great opportunity to talk about kind of where Ross and Demelza are at in their relationship, and why things are taking as long as it. They are. But, you know, opportunity lost. Maybe they'll pick up on it for next year. Uh, Anonymous said, I am so looking forward to the whole Monk Adderley situation. And in particular, the conversation that Ross and Caroline have about Ross fighting the ghost of Hugh. I hope that that is included in series four. Uh, You know, after last series where I had a whole, you know, we had a whole wish list of things we hoped to see in series three. Um, I'm abandoning that strategy
0: for this season. Lower your expectations. My expectations
1: need to be a hell of a lot lower. Um, But, you know, now that they have cast the actor who's going to play Monk Adderley, I am really looking forward to how that winds up um, taking place. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how the, the fallout goes from that.
0: So I'm warning everybody. Just prepare yourself because that entire storyline will bring out rage, Rita. It's like,
1: well, you know the thing, yeah, and you know the thing. We we need to put a giant spoiler thing, um, a warning on this because you know we are talking about anything, and the the situation that takes place with with Monk Adderley, uh, it's a
2: huge
1: spoiler for uh, next series, but you know the thing that. That I hope that they wind up having in this uh, situation is that they are clear about George's role. Oh yeah, in this entire thing, because it's one of those moments where George is doing the thing that he. Loves to do, which is do shit. Yeah, (laughs) do shit that's going to set Ross up for a major fall, but not getting his hands dirty in the doing. He always winds up finding some other way to make that happen, but it's never direct, it's always indirect and um so i'm I'm hoping that they wind up doing that same thing and it's not just monk's idea to do what he's going to do does that make sense without
0: oh totally that, right? they probably will you know that they, they love they love making george like he's responsible for everything that goes wrong <laughs> to ross in the show
1: okay uh msb3 says okay one more ask for the next podcast uh if you think it would be interesting and fun uh if you had the power what three things would you change about the show? Uh, The changes in the personality traits and characteristics of Ross, Elizabeth, and Demelza starting in Series 1. The changes in personality traits and characteristics of Ross and Elizabeth and Demelza starting in Series 1. And the changes in the personality traits and characteristics of Ross, Elizabeth, and Demelza starting in Series 1. I feel very strongly about this um however uh rita is going to get serious about about this now
0: you only gave me three things i could have come up with like 20 so i'm gonna keep it I, short uh,
1: that that's why i picked the one and just stuck with it because it was like otherwise it was just gonna be too many this things laundry list
0: <laughs> uh so firstly i'd give the show a writer's room debbie could be like a head writer and then she would partner up with other writers for the script because i really think it would vastly improve the quality of the show for her to have other perspectives and other writers on board. Maybe reigning in the Mulwenna Drake shit. Just maybe. Oh my
1: oh my God, yes. Uh I, I think that's a brilliant idea. Uh and be sure to include someone who can challenge the logic of the things that are happening in the show. Because oh God, I think yes. if they had someone uh who was doing that, uh, you know episode 303 wouldn't have been the the complete clusterfuck that it was
0: um secondly i'd give the show a book a season this seems really obvious but i just think this two book a season thing made sense for season one because the ross and Melzer books were mostly focused on character and world building and the plot wasn't too crazy back then um, but now it's just fucking madness to try and adapt this much story in such limited time
1: this um you know with all of the additional characters that wind up coming into the story in both um you know uh both warlegon uh black moon four swans and uh angry tide uh the the way that the storylines are becoming more and more complex um it, it 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 doesn't make sense to try and, and cram uh one and a half books into a series. Uh, you know, and if they'd manage this, uh series five would be ending and including all of Angry Tide. And it would have been perfect because that is the logical cutoff for this television series, is the end of Angry Tide, because of the time jump that takes place.
0: And, and this madness about her talking about writing her own in between Angry Tide and The Stranger in the Sea. Is that what the name of that book? Yeah. Anyway, just no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Please don't. Please don't do that. Okay, my third suggestion was I would have it air in September because <laughs> I think airing in the summer is madness and it has to be affecting the viewing figures. Loads of people didn't even know it was coming back in June. I had to remind so many people. (laughs) BBC were also just super lazy about the PR, which makes me think it was a rushed decision to bring it back early. I know they were still finishing episodes while it was airing, which is completely different to how they aired the show before.
1: You know, and I have to say, Masterpiece uh, and PBS has been crushing it. With the publicity uh, leading up to series three, Uh, and I honestly think it's because they've had the time to develop uh, the the ad package that they were going to use in order to uh, bring attention to the the show. And uh, you know, like you said, uh, deciding to air it in June, and you know, having it be such a fricking supply uh, surprise to everybody. you know that just made absolutely no sense unless they were they were literally trying to avoid running up against victoria again
0: which doesn't even make sense because victoria's flopping this season like really badly (laughs) really they would have won so our next question was also from anonymous what was the worst storyline in each season
1: um, I think for me, um you know, it was Ross blaming Demelza for the destruction of Carnmore because of her involvement in Verity's elopement um that is you know the the whole you know thing that he says to her, you know your your wanton disregard um you know he he is brutal in his uh comments towards Demelza uh about all of this because she had absolutely no idea that being involved in trying to bring Verity and Blamey together was going to wind up having as dire consequences uh, as it did. And for Ross to be that vehement in his blaming of her uh, was really pretty horrible. Uh, Dick move. It's not how it happened in the book. Not how it happened in the book. I know. I said it. I said it. I said it. Um, Let's see. For series two, the fucking riot um and series 3 there are too many to list uh, but <laughs> if i have to narrow it to one um it was the way valentine's parentage hovered over everybody like a freaking vulture through the entire series
0: or like a bad smell <laughs>
1: exactly to- exactly it was like someone someone dealing a silent fart
0: <laughs> <laughs> silent and deadly <laughs>
1: silent and deadly and it just won't die
0: (laughs) yeah looking forward to that lingering into season four (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. exactly uh, personally for season one like the whole Karen Mark Daniel storyline was just a hot mess of bad characterization and terrible wigs Um... (laughs) (laughs) you really resent that little ponytail don't you I really do And it was my biggest (laughs) peeve from season one. I just, I really liked the Karen storyline in the book. How it was handled. And, oh, it's a disappointment. Um, As for season two, uh, Ross giving Elizabeth money storyline. It was made significantly worse than how it was characterised in the novels. And uh, it bothered me so much more than the cheating, which I know is not rational. And, I've never been able to get over how much of a dick move it was for Ross and it just hung over the Ross and Demelza marriage for me in a way that it really, like, if he hadn't done that, I would have been chiller with him at the end of season two. And as for season three, Drake and Moenna, and I feel like that doesn't need an explanation.
1: Okay, our next question uh, comes from Anonymous. Hi guys, congratulations! Thank you. Um, I was just wondering what shows you guys are watching to fill the pole dark shaped hole in our lives. LOL. Thanks so much for the podcast. You're very, very welcome. Uh, let's see. Well, I've just recently discovered BritBox, uh, which is an add on subscription service to my Amazon Prime account. Uh, I signed up for the, the free seven-day trial and oh, that sucker is sticking on there like glue. Thank you very much. I'm currently binge-watching as much as I possibly can. Uh, my favorite right now are the Inspector Lindley Mysteries. Um, the main character is a dark-haired, educated, brooding, temperamental man from Cornwall <laughs> and his working-class female partner.
0: What do you know?
1: <laughs> I'm starting to sense a pattern here. And actually, her hair has a slight tinge of red to it. Um, <laughs> and I'm shipping the hell out of hell. Oh, my God, I have a problem. <laughs> I have a problem um but uh yeah it, it's been a great show to watch um i think my husband is really starting to get sick of of me watching it but you know tough beans i have the remote uh, <laughs> and i just watched the first episode of series three outlander and actually i was typing up my notes last night um and i just watched it it was like one o'clock in the morning And so I finished watching it, and I'm looking forward to more, and I'm especially interested in Roger Mack.
0: For me, I recently just finished season two of Top of the Lake, which starts this week in America, so please watch it. Support ladies making films about ladies. Uh, It's really good, almost as good as season one. And uh, Twin Peaks The Return just finished, so that was a deep, deep hole in my life that I needed to. Well, so I decided to catch up on the seasons of The Leftovers that I missed. Uh I just watched episode 302 last night and I am still shook. Life-changing stuff. I mean, Wu Tang Dance
1: with the men just the slim chances. Ten this anthem swing like beat sampler, taking it straight to big man on campus. Where this a weapon on get dropped to the campus."
0: So you may notice that all of these three shows are nothing like Poldark in any way. But like after the clusterfuck that was season three, I just I really wanted something tonally very different. But I will say that I'm in awe of the characterization in The Leftovers. And I think it's highlighting a lot of what I like in shows and what I felt was missing in season three of Poldark.
1: Cool. Well, I will definitely uh, make sure that I get Top of the Lake on. And I didn't see season one, so I've got something to binge watch. Yay! So I will get that in my queue so that I'm able to get season one in before series two starts.
0: Oh, and I think season one's on Netflix, so it's like all streaming, do it. Sweet! Um, next question was also from Anonymous. I don't understand why Elizabeth didn't fall in love with Francis when they returned from Bodmin. He was so wonderful to her and Geoffrey Charles, and he was a changed man. Why did she then have to go and reel in Ross at the dinner table? It doesn't make sense to me. She had a loving and responsible husband right under her nose. I love the new, improved Francis. Don't we all? I did too. I did too. Um...
1: You know, and I know that we've talked a bit about uh, some of the reasons why Elizabeth does what she does. Um, You know, Elizabeth is all about um, being admired. And when you watch that episode in uh, series two, you will notice that Ross is having a conversation with Caroline. um, And he is, you know doing his usual not flirtatious but you know his kind of self-deprecating you know kind of stuff and Elizabeth is watching this whole exchange take place and my thought is she's going oh no you are not going to get yourself all interested in that cute little blonde over here I'm gonna reel your ass back over here so you're paying attention to me and then that's why she goes in and says into it why she says what she says so, anyhow, but don't get me started on Elizabeth.
0: I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, as for why Elizabeth doesn't love Francis, I think Elizabeth isn't really capable of loving a man for things like kindness and warmth. The way she was brought up led her to value things like power and status, which is why she gravitates more towards men like Ross and George because they're able to provide for her either financially or in terms of importance in the county. I think part of why Ross holds an appeal for her was his notoriety and the ma- the magnetic way he commanded authority. Um Francis didn't really do it for her because she is broken inside. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Your last bitch. Your last Kinetic Fox said, Hello ladies I've been enjoying your podcast for almost one year because I think I started in October 2016. Anyway, you three make me laugh so much and I love your insight. I may think of more questions to ask throughout the week, but for now, do any of you three podcast for the Outlander show somewhere? Or do you have a go-to podcast for Outlander that you listen to? I've been trying to find a great podcast for the show that goes in-depth like the Polduck podcast. Thanks and congratulations. So
1: glad you've enjoyed the podcast. Uh, thank you. And I don't think any of us podcast uh, for the show Outlander. Uh, so, you know, if you have any recommendations for a fun one to check out, please let us know. Um, you know, I am a big Outlander fan, uh, probably not as obsessed with it as I am with Dark, but I do enjoy it very, very much. So I would love to listen to um, a, a great Outlander podcast.
0: Um, I actually listen to a podcast for almost every single show I watch because I'm well weirdo. Oh my like god! That. Um, I was going to say <laughs> you should see the amount of-, <laughs> of podcasts I had to listen to to understand Twin Peaks. It was like oh my god! I goodness. bet I used to listen to the Outlander podcast before I quit the show in season two, so I can't really comment on the quality of the podcast recently, but. I enjoyed it. It feels like an obvious one. Um,
1: I'm interested. Why did you quit the show in series two?
0: <sighs> I mean, tonally, I think it had gone really far from the source material for me. I was just disappointed week after week. I mean, I loved the actors but I wasn't really liking the story decisions. I, think. I didn't like how they handled the, okay, spoiler, but <laughs> Jamie's rape. Something about it felt really kind of overly dramatic and it didn't have the same resonance or honesty or truth that it did in the book and i was just like this is a lot of effort to just be disappointed each week and the same thing is sort of happening to poldark but somehow i'm still watching
1: (laughs) (laughs) well like i you know like i said i'm i am absolutely obsessed with with poldark and i don't think there would be anything that that would happen that uh would make me go, oh, hell no, and stop. And I'm going to knock on wood because God knows I don't need them
0: to do that
1: this coming series, but... Uh, um,
0: They'll surprise us with yeah. like, a really great season, hopefully. <laughs> Just...
1: mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know I was, I was not as happy with Series 2 as I was with Series 1 of Outlander, um, but, you know, I, I think, for me, it started to pick up again once they left France and we're back in Scotland, and we're kind of trying to do the lead up to stopping uh Culloden from happening so
0: I watched like bits of the final, and it was okay until they did the jump forward, and I mm-hmm. was like oh, this doesn't work. They're making her hair look ridiculous. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It
1: was just... Yeah, the the whole aging up thing, and that was really, really bad. And then thought the, I have to go back with the sun coming up. And, you know, it was was way too reminiscent of uh, Scarlett O'Hara at the end of uh, Gone with the Wind. Um, It was just like, oh, no. No, no. I was like, I I just kind of laughed at, about that. And went, okay, let's.
0: See Hopefully, season three is. is good, and maybe I will binge watch it. I think binge watching always makes a show feel better.
1: Yeah, um, I did not notice. Well, of course, it it wouldn't show up now. Um, you know, because in the first episode of series three, it's all taking place. You know, very soon after, you know, she has come back through the stones. Um, so you know they haven't had time to age her up or anything like that. So we'll we'll see what they do when they get to that point. I'm, and I'm not looking forward to that. But well we'll see. Maybe they will have gotten it right at that point. The the gray streaky thing going on in the front of her hair was Ugh. really just ridiculous. She looked like a skunk. It looked like paint. It, it looked like paint. It didn't move the way the rest of her hair was moving, and it was just bad. But uh, anyway, okay. So um, our, I think this is our last question. Um, Comes from Poldark Costuming Project. Um, If you got a chance to wear one costume from the 70s series or new series of Poldark, which would you pick and why? I would go with Demelza's red bedragon ball gown because it was a great combo of the late 1780s elegance and edge. Um, I loved the turquoise gown that Demelza wore in series three so much, uh, mainly because it's, it's one of my massive head cannons, um, (laughs) um, that she would have her own, she would have her own blue dress, um, has been one of my big head cannons. Uh, so I would go with that one or the, the, the dark blue dress that she wore in, uh, series 209. Uh, she was also wearing it at, uh, Francis's funeral, Um, but I thought that the the color of that dress was so gorgeous um, that I I would love to wear that.
0: Any shade of blue with her coloring Mm -hmm. is just so striking. Oh my
1: God. Yeah, it's just striking.
0: I mean, for me personally, I would go for Caroline's pink gown she wore this season. I really love the fit and the color. And it really reminds me of all the costumes in Marie Antoinette, the 2006 film not the much earlier ones i was just in love with those and um, like pastel tones and scoop necklines for the win <laughs>
1: um i have a feeling
0: you and i think you've
1: mentioned this before that the empire waistlines that we get in uh uh regency <laughs> you're not you're a fan you're gonna have some issues with that yeah you're gonna have some issues with that Okay, so that's it for the questions. Um, we now have our countdown to Cornwall. So it's T minus twenty-two days. Woohoo! Until Rita and I invade Cornwall. We're taking uh, it so back. We're still working out. <laughs> we're still working out our travel arrangements and our itinerary for our time there. Uh, I'm doing my standard thing uh, that I do when I'm going to an area I've never been, which is like crawling around the internet for weather averages. Uh, so i can figure out what size suitcase i'm going to have to take and it's it's a matter of okay can i take something that i can carry on or am i going to have to check it so it's this teeter-totter that i'm on Um, according to holidayweather.com quote october is a great time to visit cornwall as temperatures are still pleasant enough to spend time outdoors and this is the last month of the year that the area beaches can be enjoyed before it gets too cold the nearby sea also allows for more moderate temperatures than some of those that are found more inland and are some of the larger cities in, of England. Um, one drawback is that rain chances are on the increase and visitors may have to adjust some plans according to the extended forecast. Yes, I am a geek. <laughs> so...
0: Prepare for yeah. so much rain. There's been a rainstorm yeah. the entire time we've been recording.
1: Oh my god. Ugh. I get enough of that here at home, but you know, all right. Uh I think I may have to up my raincoat gear uh for this one. Uh right. so time to go shopping. So we'll have more as we get closer to the date, but uh we're we're both really super excited about about the trip. So, anyhow, uh we do have some things coming up on the Poldark podcast, uh including book club. We're going to get back on that uh, by reading uh, book number seven, The Angry Tide. Uh, This is my all-time favorite of the entire series. Um, And rather than approach it as a book-to-screen adaptation wish list, like I said earlier, because we all know how well that went last time, um, it's just going to be a straight-up book-only focus. Um, So if you remain if you want to remain spoiler-free for Series 4 content, then you'll want to avoid those portions of our podcast. Uh, we're also going to be starting up the 70s commentary again because hilarity it will ensue, I'm certain. Um, and then we also had an ask that came in during Series 3. Uh, to ask us to focus on uh, kind of how the real history of 18th century society uh, plays out with the new adaptation of the stories. So uh, we may toy around with that a little bit.
0: I have such a brain boner for that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So those are the things that are kind of cooking up on the the back burners for the podcast. So uh, stay tuned for more information.
0: Unfortunately, we run out of questions. So we're at the end of the podcast thank you to everyone who got in contact with us now if you want to join in the conversation with this podcast please tweet us at pod podcast or head to the ask box on our tumblr at pod and that's it from us bye bye guys
2: question me and answer bright and clear i will answer with a question clear and bright Though your answer may be wrong My question will be right Question me an answer Answer with a question 1492 What's the year that Babe Ruth Hit his 60th home run Wellington and Waterloo Who became the hero At the Battle of Bull Run Question me an answer bright and clear I will answer with a question clear and bright Even though your answer may be wrong my question will be right Question me an answer Answer with a question Midnight Friday before What's the way that Yankee Doodle really went to town Feeding up What's the reason London Bridge is always falling down? You can't learn things from a clown. Question be an answer bright and clear. I will answer with a question, clear and bright. Even though your answer may be wrong, my question will be right. Question be an answer. ship lollipop How did Christopher Columbus sail upon the sea Underneath the circus top, where did Cleopatra Thank you.